Well, I got my glasses on, so I guess we're off to a good start. And David, we know lots about shouting for joy. We're just used to doing it at sporting events rather than in church. So just go ahead and get that out of the way, Hurley. I'm also going to get out of the way the elephant in the room. Are you ready to talk about the elephant in the room? All right, here we go. Why are we not called the friends of Christ? Why in the heck would we be called servants of Christ if Jesus just said, we're not servants, but we're friends? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to talk about that this morning a little bit. Great question. In the Old Testament, there's only two people that ever get called a friend of God. Do you know who they are? If you know, just shout them out. Abraham? Nope, not David. Moses. Thank you, Bernice. Yeah. Abraham and Moses are the only Old Testament figures that are called a friend of God. So it's a powerful portrayal of, of God's love for somebody to call them his friend. And, and for Jesus to say, you're my friends, is a tremendous honor because he says it not only to the disciples, to the apostles, but through them to us that we are friends of God. I am a friend of God is a popular chorus from, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago, somewhere back in there. Well, what does Jesus mean when he says friends? He means a couple of things. One, he means that he's he is confiding in us that we've become intimate in relationship with him. The, the word in the Greek is actually even more intimate than friendship. When Jesus says that you've become my friends, you're no longer a slave. And why does he say that? He, Jesus explains that he defines it himself because I've not withheld anything from you. I've told you everything that the Father has told me. I have revealed myself to you. The people of Israel, the children of Israel, didn't know God's plans. For them, it was clouded. Yes, they, eventually they had Isaiah to come along, and he prophesied things, but they couldn't fully understand. There was still so much that they didn't know about, but God was laying the foundations of salvation history. But, but we can be assured that everything God wants to tell us has been revealed in Jesus Christ. Just take a second and take a note of that. Because if somebody comes to you and says, yes, Jesus, but back away quickly. Because Jesus says he's revealed everything from the Father. There is nothing that, there's no new information. There's nothing beyond Jesus. There's no special revelation beyond him. Jesus is the special revelation. He is the fullness and the perfect revelation of the person of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To see Jesus is to see God, although, of course, at this point, none of us yet has seen God until we reach eternity. So Jesus is saying, you are my friends because you're, you're in the, on the inner circle with me. You're, you're, there's nothing I'm withholding from you. You are in an intimate relationship me, with me, and there is nothing that there is to be told that I have not revealed to you, that to you. And so Jesus calls them friends. He also calls them friends because he explains to them his willingness to sacrifice himself for them. To be a friend is to mean that you're willing to, be, to self-sacrifice for that person, to give up of that person. Your time, your energy, your attention. You, they, they wake you up in the middle of the night and say, I need you to take me to the hospital. And you don't go, no. You hang up on them. You get up and you go, right? You may be not enthusiastic about it, but you go because they're your friend, because there's somebody that you're willing, you're in a relationship with you. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you're friends and it's all 
take and no give, that's not a friendship. That's probably abusive, if anything else. Or maybe it's a ministry relationship where you're ministering to somebody who's not in a position yet to give you. But a true friendship has reciprocity in it, and it's, it's willing to sacrifice for the other person, to give sacrificially. Jesus says, I lay down my life for my friends. He's alluding here in John 15 to the cross, to his willingness to do what John, 1 John, the epistle reading, talks more about that God sent his son to be the savior of the world, that, that Christ has been offered as the atoning sin sacrifice for the world. I'm laying my life down for you. I'm doing it willingly out of my love for you. Jesus says, you're my friends. I've shared intimate details of what God is doing. I have, I have committed myself to being self-sacrificial to you. So in that sense, Jesus, that is exactly what Jesus means by friendship. But what Jesus doesn't mean by friendship, and here's, here comes the answer for why we aren't called friends of Christ, why we're called servants of Christ. Well, first of all, because it's not the conventional understanding of friendships. If you look at the Old Testament, there's never a time when God is referred to as a friend of Moses. Right? You know, if you were to have, God was to have a Facebook account, he's not sending out, you know, he, you're not, he's not asking, you're not friending Jesus on Facebook, okay? He, he's friending you, you're not friending him. It's, we are a friend of Christ. But there's not this, it's, it avoids this buddy Jesus mentality that I think is, can be dangerous. Do you know that idea that sometimes people talk and they love to talk to a priest about this? I don't know why. It's like it, they, they should know better. But they, they say, well, the man, and, and I, the man upstairs and I have this understanding, you know, or they talk about the big guy and I, you know, it's like, don't talk about the big guy. That's the Lord of the universe who has made you a friend but it's not conventional friendship. It's not buddy Jesus. He's still Lord. I mean, look at what he requires of us. He says, if you obey what I command, you are my friends. Now, conventionally, if you said that to a friend, you'd be acting like a six-year-old girl, right? If you'll, if you'll play with me, I'll be your friend, right? Or if you let me hold the pretty Barbie doll, I'll be your friend. It's, it's very, very conditional, in conventional friendship, that wouldn't fly at all. But, but here, it's not a conventional friendship. Jesus is saying, if you obey me, you'll be my friends. But what in the heck does he mean by that? Well, Jesus is, is, is he's avoiding the, 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 the conventional idea of friendship because he's making sure we understand that while we have been made a friend of God, we've brought into this intimate relationship, he, yes, he is sacrificing himself for us. Jesus is not our friend we're a friend of Jesus. He is still Lord over all. We're called to obey Jesus. Not to earn his love, but to demonstrate our love for him. And you think, well, that seems kind of conditional and not really cool. Well, Jesus says himself in the same paragraph, as I have loved the Father, and obeyed him completely. Christ has modeled this for us, this submission to the Father. In perfect submission, he has demonstrated his love for the Father. And so Jesus says, in the same manner, you demonstrate your love for me by obeying me. 
by yielding yourself to me. So why do we call ourselves servants of Christ? Well, there's biblical precedent. While there is aspects Jesus is talking about friendship here, and there's no sense in which, obviously, there's a way in which we are called friends of Jesus, it's helpful to remind ourselves that we are servants of the Most High. It reminds us that we are called to be in a position of obedience. And we're in good company. The Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, there's many references to being servants of God. And Paul loves the term servants of Christ. He uses it throughout the scriptures. However, actually servants is a nice way of saying slaves. So we could be the slaves of Christ, okay? So just be thankful we're servants of Christ, not the slaves of Christ. I toyed with the idea of slaves of Christ, but I thought probably nobody would come to that church. My own son, Jake, said, Dad, servants of Christ, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to come to that church. They definitely wouldn't have come to slaves of Christ. But the reality is it's the idea that we are living in obedience to him. We are submitting ourselves to him. We are living under his authority and learning to be loyal to him. Not, this is important, not conforming to a set of rules, but to a pattern of life. We're submitting not to rules, but to a pattern of life. The pattern of life that Jesus displayed to us. That is what we're seeking to submit ourselves to, to obey. John Harris and I were talking about WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we were having some good conversation about that the other day on the phone. And it occurred to me that probably the bracelet should say WWJB rather than WWJD. Because by putting the word do in there, it sounds like a set of rules. Do this, don't do this. What would Jesus do? Don't, if Jesus wouldn't do it, you don't do it. But it's more like, how would Jesus be in this situation? How would he respond in this situation? How can I be like Christ in this situation? And when I, when I put myself in, in that state of mind, a whole different response comes out. Because then if I begin to think about this person who's in front of me, who's not probably acting very lovely, lovely, lovely at the time, or, or maybe even being a little bit abusive to me, or at least making some accusations about me that are untrue, I find, if I, if I think about what would Jesus be in this situation, I begin to think, how would Christ love them? Well, it's pretty evident how he loved them, right? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's why I believe Jesus can say to us that as we learn to obey him, demonstrating our love for him, that our, our joy will be full. You see, if you were in a, a conventional friendship with somebody and you did everything they told you to, your joy would not be full. You'd probably either kill them or run away from them, right? Because it just at some point, their, their demands on your life would just become exceedingly unbearable. But when we obey and submit ourselves to the pattern of life that Jesus displays for us, and by the way, gives us the power to live out, we're full of joy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I worked and worked and worked on the National Day of Prayer service that was Thursday night. Uh, if you don't know, God performed a miracle. It was supposed to be raining and terribly, uh, a terrible rain condition. We were doing it at the Gainesville Raceway because we wanted to be outside, socially distant, all that stuff. And God 
parted the, the weather and I looked on the radar, there was, there was weather on the Atlantic and weather in the Gulf, and we had an amazing, beautiful night, beautiful sunset. It was gorgeous. God did this amazing work in this National Day of Prayer service, but it was so much work, and I thought, Lord, is this worth it? But at the end of the evening, having gathered with 15 pastors from 15 different churches and prayed with people present and also people on social media, I was full of joy. You can ask Jody. Because we lifted up the name of Jesus. We proclaimed in the face of the enemy, Jesus Christ is Lord and he will have the victory. Joy filled my life and my heart at that moment. And that's exactly what he brings when we learn to obey him. And Jesus goes on to say, we're to bear fruit. What does that mean? That means we're to share the kingdom with other people. We're to, we're to bring other people into relationship with the God of the universe who's made himself known, revealed himself in the person of Jesus. And as we do that, we bear fruit. Will everyone we share Christ with or in friendship with come to Christ? No. But we share it abundantly because we know God is faithful and he will bring some people. That's what it means to be elect of God. It means you've been elected to go and tell other people. It doesn't mean you're the only one that gets to know. It means you get to be the one who goes and tells them. So Jesus says, I've chosen you that you would bear much fruit, that you would tell many people, young and old, of all persuasions, poor, rich, middle class, about the person of Jesus and bring them into a living relationship with him. And how do we do that? Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And this is my commandment. Love one another. So simple. And yet so hard, right? Love one another. The demonstration of those 15 churches, black, white, Latino, Asian, Worshiping and loving each other, and we do, we truly do love each other, did more for the spread of the gospel than us all panning out all over the city and trying to share the faith one-on-one. Because there is something powerful about when people see Christians truly love each other sacrificially. I don't mean emotional, I don't mean hugging and kissing necessarily, I just mean loving, lovingly acting towards each other. And I've seen it in this congregation for years. People that are willing to give of themselves sacrificially. People that are willing to show up in a cafeteria with no windows and worship when they could be down the street in a nice fancy church. Because they love the people in the room so much, they're willing to sacrifice comfort to be together. Many of you are in that group. That's, that's loving one another. That's one example of it. Before I go too much further, I, I want to make clear, Jesus commands this. This is his command, love one another. But, remember, but, but notice if you've got your Bible or your Bible app open, notice that verse 7 and verse 17 say the same thing. And I, I kind of focused in on the friends of, of Christ, but, but notice that 7 and 17 say the same thing. They say, ask and it will be given. You see, we oftentimes think Jesus is saying that, we're, that we want Jesus to bless our plans, right? 
We want you to, Jesus, this is what we want. We want to sell our house and buy this new house, and we want to, we want to pay off our, our car, and then we want to get the, the, you know, whatever. We want Jesus to bless our plans. Jesus has given us his plan, and what he's asked us to do is to pray that he would give us the ability to live it out. And what is his plan for us? It's that we would learn to love one another. Not just the ones that we like, not just the good ones, the easy ones, but that we would love one another. Sacrificially. Committed to each other. You see, somehow the church has gotten completely mixed up to where we think that it's all about an individual relationship with God and that, and that church being together with other Christians is something that's supplemental or optional or less important. And yet Jesus says, love one another. How in the world can you learn to love people if you don't come together with those people? Can I get an amen? amen. I feel a little stirring of the spirit this morning. <laughs> Loving one another. Thank you. Loving one another. I think loving one another has become really acute in this season with COVID and all this stuff. There are some people in this room who confided in me that they hate wearing masks. And not that anybody loves wearing masks, but they, they, they hate wearing masks so much that they really don't want to come to church because they don't want to wear a mask. And yet they're here because they love you. There's some other people in this congregation who, who have concerns about coming to church, even with masks, especially early on. But yet, out of their love for you, they showed up. And they continue to show up. And I don't know what to make of all this stuff going on around the virus in our culture right now, but, but what I see the Lord doing in the midst of it is he's giving us a really tangible way for us all to be uncomfortable and yet come together because we know how important it is. And I truly do believe that as we do that, we are loving each other and we are demonstrating something to the world. Which is why servants is not going to go to a you know, mask on this side and no mask on this side or mass service, you know, and, you know, again, no judgment for people who are doing it. But I believe the Lord is calling us to struggle through this whole thing together and love each other through it and sacrifice for each other through it. And even when we don't understand another person's opinion, to seek to understand and to let them be where they are. Because in doing so, I believe we're loving one another. Folks, we, we, we get to do this and we can do this because Jesus says, if you ask, it will be given to you. If, if you want to learn to love people, Christ will answer that prayer. Now, let me just tell you, I'll give you a couple of hints for those who maybe couple of hints. First of all, fake it till you make it, okay? You got to learn that. Bella, if you don't know that expression, fake it till you make it. Basically, even if you don't feel it, begin to demonstrate it. Begin to act out of it. And you will be amazed as you begin to, I know, you're not being truthful, right? You're acting lovingly even though you're not feeling it. But as you do that consistently towards people, 
let me tell you something. You, God will begin to give you a love for them. I've, I've experienced it over and over and over again. I'm not going to put somebody's name in there because then you'll <laughs> laugh and, well, you're laughing now, but you know. But, but it's, I've seen it. Fake it till you make it. Act lovingly towards people and allow God to do his work in you. He will give you a love for people. Practice on your siblings. One of the benefits of having brothers and sisters is that you get to learn to be socialized with each other, right? And you can say anything to your brothers and sisters and you're still brothers and sisters, right? And so you learn to be socialized in that. The same extent it comes with the, the local body of Christ. This is our local family. And we can be mad at each other and we can say inappropriate things to each other. But at the end of the day, we hug and we make up and we go forward. And hopefully you've got people in this congregation that will just speak into your life and say, you know what? You're being a grumpy pants. You're being self-serving. You're, you're being prideful or whatever it else. Hopefully you've got two or three people that will just be gut level honest with you and say, you know what? Suck it up, buttercup. Because that, again, is how the Lord answers that prayer of learning to love. And then lastly, remember that there is somebody who's having to do these things towards you. Fewer laughs. But I know it's true. Some of you are really faking it till you make it with me sometimes. And you're, and you're learning to, to love me and I, I'm learning to love you. And that is the reality of it. It's that when we begin to realize that, that we're not as lovely as we think we are, we're not as easy to get along with as we think we are, then it brings us to a place of humility. Oh, friends, Jesus is so clear. And, and as, if, as if the gospel of John doesn't have spread it out, spell it out. Go to 1 John and you heard the letter Justin read. It's so much clearer. Jesus goes on into depth to say, and Jesus, John records it, loving God because God is love. Loving our neighbors is a demonstration of our love for God. But the part that I love about 1 John, he says that, that, that in loving one another, God's love is made perfect in us. Do you want to grow in intimacy and in relationship with the Lord? Do you want to be a friend of Jesus? And start loving his people. Commit yourself to it. And you have the promise of God that the love of God will be perfected in you. Oh, that is what I want. I want to pattern my life after Jesus. And so I'm committed to loving each of you. And I hope you're committed to loving me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being so clear. We can be so <laughs> thick-skulled and stiff-necked. Lord, you, you loved us enough to die for us on the cross. You gave your life for us. Father, teach us to love. Let your love for others come through us. Father, give us a vision of what it would be like to be, to see your love perfected in us, to, to know that we are doing what you would, how you would be in a situation. Be patient with us, Lord. We are slow to learn, but, but Father, we commit again to loving people.
especially the ones that we have a hard time. We thank you, Lord, that you say if we ask, you will give this to us. So we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.